Welcome to a D&D Candle Lab. Welcome to the D&D 5e Character Lab Podcast. With your hosts, Karen and Dan. Welcome to the D&D Character Lab, the show based around one thing we as players cannot resist. And that is compulsively creating characters and daydreaming about their validity in-game. Each week we are bringing a new character to the table, drawing from a plethora of published content, and then scoring it against a predefined table of criteria. It is then up to us to use our own personal charisma modifiers to convince one another that our baby is better. Hello again everyone, I am Dan. And I am Garen, and this week we plunged into the cesspool that is D&D Wiki. For those of you not familiar, consider yourselves privileged and turn this episode off right now. Do not let us corrupt your perfect little brains. As for the rest of us, we all know that D&D Wiki is a site where just about any asshole can throw up some ridiculous homebrew crap and share it with the D&D multiverse. There's some quality product on there that people have tried very hard. There's also some bonkers shit, and that's what we went after today. <laughs> well stated, Garen. Most of the stuff you'll find on here is complete garbage, and using it, a lot of this content in your home games increases the probability that you will break the mechanics of the game itself. And that being said, let's break some shit. What do you, uh, what do you have this week, Dan? So, <laughs> I brought Gary to the lab, rumored to have been a long gone race. The slime folk were mysterious creatures, mostly rumored to be in swamps and marshes. However, according to the information listed on dndwiki.com, or it's not actually D and D wiki, it's dandwiki.com. Did you notice that? Dan, dandwiki. They're, they're missing a D, but I, I get what they were going for. So but you're anyway, taking responsibility for this. Yeah, yes. According to the information listed on that page, they have no known history no known names, and other than those taken by other races, they have no known origin, and no one knows what happened to them. They give you nothing to work with here. Naturally, I took this character because, as you'll see, it would be absolutely absurd to throw this into a party, and it would be very difficult to explain the ridiculousness of this character in any other way other than saying slime folk just appeared in the party and is following them around, no known allegiances, and a matter of fact, it doesn't have any language, you just get to pick one. So, anyway, I have a slime folk level 8 shadow assassin with the lost civilization background, which I thought was quite appropriate for this specific character, which is basically just a background that says they were once there and now their civilization is gone. Perfect, yeah, no known origin. Yes, so that is what I'm bringing to the lab this week. What do you have from D&D Wiki, Garen? I have carefully crafted for this week Serving Girl. She's of the machine doll race, and she did you, is... Did you make a sex doll? I did not make a sex doll. I made a butler doll because she has the butler background, and she worked as a butler for a very wealthy family for many, many years. But Yeah, sure, butler, butler, got it. Not gross. You're making it gross. And while she was a butler, she would spend her nights, because she didn't sleep, up on the roof looking at the stars, and eventually... She felt connected to the stars, yada, yada, yada. I have a machine doll race with the butler background, and she is a astromancer using the power of the stars. Why would she join a party? Because it, the stars told her to. <laughs> this is off to a great start, but before we get into the real cringeworthy stuff, I'd like to take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Cantrip Candles. 
Cantrip candles are purveyors of 100% soy candles that are specifically designed to accompany your tabletop adventures like D&D and Pathfinder. They have a great selection of scents that smell like different locations in a fantasy world, bakeries, taverns, even a tannery-scented candle that offers notes of leather and clove. But to be honest, you can find a scent for any of your adventures in their sampler pack, which offers all of their scents for $11 plus shipping. Once you decide you want to buy each and every one of them, be sure to splurge on their newly offered 16-ounce candle size because they all come with the metal D20, and you don't even have to expend a spell slot. And they're not just the purveyor of amazing candles either. Right now, they're featuring a pin that they paired up with Paula's Pixels to design for Pride Month that says Roll with Pride. Even better than the stunning design of the pin itself is the fact that a portion of the proceeds directly benefit Outright International and the Los Angeles LGBT Center. Be sure to check them out. That's Cantrip Candles. If you don't know how to spell cantrip, you shouldn't be playing D&D. Thank you, Garen and Cantrip Candles, for all the amazing work that you guys are doing over there. And you know what they say, slime folk first. So I'll go ahead and start us off in the melee category. What do you say? That's fine. Uh, machine girls are not your classic ladies, so they'll, they'll have no problem waiting. <laughs> yeah, that's true. She probably doesn't have a problem waiting tables. So uh, I'm arguing a plus two. I'm arguing a plus two here. Got two attacks. <laughs> I broke the game. <laughs> what? So I can do 99 total damage on a round because I have sneak attack and I also have action surge. A plus six to hit with the short sword, doing 1d6 plus three piercing damage. But here's where things get kind of weird. I took the combat reflexes feat. This is what the feat says. When foes leave themselves open, you make a number of additional melee attack reactions equal to your dexterity bonus, which is a plus three. <laughs> what does that mean? What is, what is when the, foes when... leave themselves open? What does that mean? <laughs> when are you using that? Reactions? So those are... Yes, you can attack. I can attack three times, but this gets even better because then I doubled up and got the reactionary feat, which allows me to have two reactions. So now I have six attacks <laughs> when it's not even your turn. <laughs> That's correct. So those are six reaction attacks. I've got two standard attacks. And then if I use action surge, I can have nine attacks. If you pair that with the action uh, with the sneak attack damage of 3d6, you can deal out 99 damage in a round. Wow. Uh, I also have the adhesive slime folk trait, which allows me to have advantage on strength checks made to a grapple, a target. I also have corrosive touch, which is another slime folk trait. My unarmed strike use a D4 for their damage die, and they deal acid damage instead of bludgeoning damage as if it needed to be any more powerful. So I'm arguing a plus two there. That so is so broken. balanced. Six reactions is very balanced for a level eight character. <laughs> No, two reactions, but six reaction attacks. Six. Six. Jeez, jeez. Okay. Because you put so much into this and you've used both your feats, I feel like this is my logical point to make you roll right off the bat. All right. I got that plus zero charisma modifier because he's Ooh. slime. I rolled an eight. I will take a plus one. All right. I am accepting a minus two. I have no melee weapon. So then going on to ranged... Going under range. <laughs> this is where things start off with my machine doll race. As part of the war doll sub race, I have I am also a gun, where I can bring a gun <laughs> out of my arm that does 3d6 damage with a 30-foot range at my level, and I can use a bonus action to reset it, which takes 1d4 turns. So at the max of every one, four turns, I am doing 3d6 and it doesn't specify the type of damage, so I'm going to say uh, <laughs> apocalypse damage. Yeah, yeah. Gunshot damage. All right, good. Uh, it does specify so... it's kind of a laser, so. 
Is that all you have there? That is. I'm otherwise I'm a caster. I don't have any real weapon proficiencies here. But 3d6 damage is pretty solid. I will take a zero because I can't use it every yeah, turn. That's, yeah, that's a zero. That's zero worthy. I'm arguing a plus one here. I have a plus three to hit on my longbow. 1d8 plus three piercing damage. How does your slime uh, pull back a longbow? The cord would go right through your slime. Yeah, it doesn't. None of it makes sense. And I got that sneak attack. I've got, you know. Well, I can't. Now, you know, they did balance it out because those six reaction attacks can only be melee attacks. So the ranged attacks, part of the reactionary feat is you can use both of the reactions granted to you to make an opportunity attack against an opponent with advantage. <laughs> like you need that. Oh, uh, so I can use my two attacks, which would deal out 22 max damage. And then of course there's like the sneak attack thing. And then I can use both of my reactions to do another attack with advantage, dealing out 33 potential damage. I'm arguing a plus one here. Yeah, I'm not gonna get too much into the physics here, but I don't see this slime using a bow that often. Yeah, no, it's broken. I'm going to move into burninating. I don't even want to explain myself. I'm arguing a plus two here. I have a trait <laughs> for this class called Shadow Blade. So it doesn't say what kind of damage this thing does. It doesn't say, like, numbers. It just says that you, like, spend 25 gold and, like, eight hours summoning this Shadow Blade. And then it does magic. The, all of the damage that it does is magic damage. So it doesn't say how much. So I'm going to say it's 100. I don't know. I, that's cheap. That's cheap, but I mean, I, I have no idea. And so, like, the cantrip I have, one of them is called the Dungeon Master's Key, which deals out <laughs> 1d20 damage. <laughs> and then I have... It's a cantrip? Of course. I also have Tear, which deals out 46 necrotic damage. And then uh, I have a first-level spell called Lucky Star, which deals out 2d20 damage. Jeez. <laughs> so broken. All of these things can be found on dndwiki.com. So be sure to head on over there and use these in your game. So I'm arguing a plus two? You're going to get a plus one because I got you beat. Okay. <laughs> My Astromancer at level three gets Celestial Missiles, which is a cantrip that shoots three bolts at up to three different targets. Each bolt at my level deals 2d8 per bolt. And that's a 100-foot range or 250 feet in the starlight. <laughs> then, at level 7, I get to add an additional D4 radiant damage to any radiant damage I'm dealing, which is so, the Celestial Missiles, of course. Sure. So you're dealing out 48 damage plus a D4 per missile? Plus, I took a feat, a Master Caster feat, which allows me to add my intelligence modifier, which is my spellcasting modifier, to the, any damage I do. So that's an additional four per bolt. 60 per bolt. Okay, so yeah, that's another 12, 72 damage. Cool. Plus, I have Celestial Empowerment, which I can expend spell slots and then add the value of those spell slots equal to half, rounded up, with a D6 in radiant damage per spell slot. <laughs> I only have seven spell slots, actually. So but that you is you could use one, theoretically, per thing adding 18 more damage, making a grand total of this spell 90 hit points of damage max on a cantrip? Yeah. Yeah. Soup, that's solid. That's great, right? Hey, Mike Merles, you listening, bro? <laughs> now, here's what else they did with Estromancer is I have seven spell slots, but they're just seven spell slots of no particular level, and I expend them. Half of the spell level that I want to cast rounded down cost me that many spell slots. So an, I at level eight, I can cast a ninth level spell by expending three or four, whatever, of my seven spell slots. 
So I can use Heavenly Fall, which creates a 20-foot wide, 300-foot high cylinder that any creature that steps into it takes 10d8 radiant damage. <laughs> what level spell is this? It's a ninth level spell. And I can concentrate on that for up to a minute. I can also cast Apocalypse of the Sky. Apocalypse of the Sky takes me one minute to channel the spell. But once I do, everything within a mile radius, including myself, takes 20d12 necrotic damage. (laughs) Wait a minute, you would take that too? (laughs) Yes, I'm just killing everyone. (laughs) I should have saved this for fitting fire because this is the ultimate spitting fire. 20 d12 wow solid so i'll take a two and you can have a one uh you're gonna roll all right all right good call charisma 16 quite the charismatic little robot and i rolled a three well we each get a one all right moving right along what kind of control are you working with here when it comes to control i want to use mordekainen's spirit burst oh i'm pretty much tapped out by the way that was so astromancer uh that that about wraps it up for her Oh, yeah, yeah. No no worries. We're on the same page there. But Mordekindin Spirit Burst, which is a ninth level reaction spell with a range of 120 feet. When I'm hit by an attack within 120 feet of me, I cast this as a reaction. They have to make an intelligence save or they take 10d10 force damage and 10d10 <laughs> radiant damage. 200 damage? Also, I get that d4 when I add radiant damage. As a, re- as a reaction? And the target is stunned for one minute. Oh, yeah. Well, that's balanced. Good. (laughs) (laughs) One minute. It's 10 rounds. 200 damage and stunned for 10 rounds. Well, if they save, they're only stunned for three rounds, which is definitely not enough to kill anything. No, that's good. After taking 200 damage, yeah, that's good. Cool. And once per battle, I can go into (laughs) final overdrive as a machine doll, and I can attack three times per turn, but I take half of the damage I deal as negative temporary hit points. If hit points is at or below this number when I fall unconscious at at the end of the battle, it takes me 1d4 plus six hours to reboot. Whatever that number is, is not mentioned. (laughs) so whatever the number is i just can't hit it it's a mystery so that makes it less controlling because i don't know what the number is (laughs) so what are you arguing here i am arguing a one yeah even though you used a burninating spell a reaction that stuns someone for a minute and does 200 damage is an is an absolute game changer you could take tiamat out in like two turns well, I'd be tapped after one, though. So these are another ninth level spell. So That's I'm, okay, because T- Tiamat would be stunned for the next ten rounds. So, it'd be And right. I would just blast her with my cantrip that does 90 damage a turn. <laughs> so I'm arguing a zero. I have Amorphous, which is yet another slime folk trait. A lot of racial traits. You can move through a space as narrow as one inch without squeezing. Which, again, sort of breaks the game, because you can get in to anything that you're not supposed to. So if there's a door that's boarded up, locked, this isn't that. As long as there's a crack somewhere that's one inch, you can get in. A great feature to be a good real team player is to just venture off into a room that no one else can fit in. And then I also have Stranger in a Strange Land, which is the Lost Civilization background trait. Your origin grants you celebrity status. You attract curiosity of commoners, nobles, sages, and fools alike, but not all of this attention is benevolent. When you seek audience with an individual of note, such as a famous wizard or local noble, you can mention your place of origin to entice their interest and earn an invitation. They're amazed equally that you are a slime person and of a lost civilization, which no one knows where they went. So how would they even know you were of the lost civilization? Exactly. 
I also have Imperial Vision, which at the sixth level, I can see 30 feet in any darkness, magical or non-magical, as if it were bright sunlight. Very balanced. Yes, and <laughs> bright sunlight is what it says. I also have Cunning Action, because this class thought it would be appropriate to combine all of the features, not just some, all of the features of a rogue and all of the features of a fighter into one. I was going to uh, say. Yes. So it's got everything. That's crazy. Everything. Not just pick and choose. It's got everything. Uh, I also have Shadow Step, which uh, allows me to teleport 30 feet. And then I have advantage on the first melee attack I make before the end of my next turn. So Wait, that is from the Shadow Monk class. Yeah. Well, they took all of the cool features from all of the classes and just... <laughs> Yep. So I'm going to argue a one here. Yes, absolutely. You can have your one. Oh, man. I don't know why we're even scoring this. No, I don't either. It's broken. So <laughs> it's so broken. So tank, I'm arguing zero. I'm, I'm, I'm not very tanky. I have an AC of 14 and 80 hit points. But I have, don't worry, I have second wind. And I also have uncanny dodge, which if you recall, if you see the attack, you take half the damage. Yeah, I was but, wondering if that was going to come up. All right. Oh, yeah, sure. Of course. I also have Dilution, which is the first thing that I've seen that actually makes this thing a little bit weak. It's a flaw of the slime folk. So if you start your turn in water, including outdoors in the rain, you take acid damage equal to your level, and your movement speed is halved until the start of your next turn. But then I have a, also a trait called Gooey Form, another slime folk racial trait, that affords me resistance to acid damage except for damage taken as a result of this dilution racial trait, which I just mentioned. But additionally, as an action once per long rest, I can grant myself resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing damage for one minute. What? <laughs> I also have the spell Summon Astral Beasts. <laughs> oh, crap. Which is a, it's a first-level spell, and I have four first-level spell slots. You can cast this as many times as you want. Why do you have spell you have slots? These- because it's broken so i have what don't I can, you have i can cast i can cast this four times these astral beasts have 20 hit points apiece they have their own action and can attack and all that stuff so i mean you're dealing out 20 hp meat shields at a first level spell and you can do it i can do it four times stop it so anyway margin is zero here just as you can have your zero just as zero how tanky are you robot are- All right, I have a little weakness too, actually. I'm immune to poison, lightning, and disease, but I'm vulnerable to cold and acid. I also have Bathed in Starlight, which is where I expend the spell slots and I regain a D6 of HP for for half of the spell slots spent. I also have Overcharge. When I'm hit with lightning damage, I gain temporary hit points equal to half the damage dealt to me. Because I'm completely immune to lightning, but I absorb it. Oh, wow. Yeah. If I'm weak, you can just smack me with a lightning bolt and I'm fully recharged. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah, technically I could probably take lightning bolt as a spell and cast it on myself and that would probably (laughs) heal me all the way up. Yeah, just like cast it on your shoe or something. Yeah, Yeah. let's just say I did that. What are you arguing here? Oh, let me see. I also have 66 hit points and an AC of 15. I'll take a one. I want a one too then. Everybody's getting ones around here. All right. All right. How do you help your friends, Garen? Before I get into that, I'd like to take a brief moment to explain how you, the listeners, can help the D&D Character Lab. Option number one doesn't cost you a thing. Leave us a review on whatever platform you listen to to the show. Simple as that. iTunes really has a stranglehold on the algorithm. If you can help us, if you can do that, it'd be wonderful. 
Option two is our Patreon. You can get in at $1 all the way up to $20. We have a Discord where you can come chat with us, bonus episodes, early access to our regular show, and you can even name our characters. Best of all, our patrons have been battling each other in our Discord on the Fan Lab channel. For more details on all of that, be sure to head over to patreon.com slash dndcharacterlab. And number three, if you want to go over to dmsguild.com and check out our supplements and leave a review, if you own any of them, we have three on the market at the moment with more to come, Wombo's Guide to Combos, Jamae Jr.'s Horde of Horses, and finally, consequences for poor PC resting choices. All of these supplements are just a dollar, and they all feature material you can put in your game today. Now, let me tell you about how Serving Girl helps her friends. And the answer is, she does not. She is happy to do whatever they ask of her, but she does not have any features that would help her friends whatsoever. Take a minus two. <laughs> Won't argue with you there. I'm arguing a minus one. I have the protection fighting style because, of course, I was able to choose a fighting style when a creature that I can see attacks a target other than me within five feet of me. Uh, I can use my reaction to impose a disadvantage on the attack roll, and I must be wielding a shield. Of course, I wouldn't do this because I would use all six of my reactions to, <laughs> to make an attack. Of course yes. you would. <laughs> so minus one here. All right. But so for balance, I'm taking a minus two. It's absolutely awful. It is not balanced in the least. Incredibly overpowered. Not nobody's gonna argue with me on that. Let's move along. How balanced is your character? Well, my character sheet is my character sheet is actually pretty balanced for what it is. I'll take a whatever. I don't know. I mean, the machine doll race is a strength of two, a con of one, and well, I mean, I'm not gonna sit here and and lie. But if I were to actually build this, I built it correctly, and I took the appropriate feats. But it's broken. Not balanced. Mm-hmm. You know what? So, I mean, if, if you think that yours is not broken, then you can score it something other than a negative two. Now that you put it that way, I can't. All right, moving on. <laughs> so, we have a smooth operator scenario that I came up with for this episode, uh, and it states the following. You realize that a party member of yours has been stealing from you. Simple as that. What do you do? All right, well, I would use my experience as a butler to appeal to their sensibilities. I would uh, flatter them accordingly and offer to help get their things, you know, just treat them like I don't know. At the end of the day, it's like, hey, can I get you anything? You know, are you comfortable? Do you need an extra pillow for your bed? And while I'm working my way around their room, I'm keeping an eye on stuff. And what I do is I actually detach one of my arms because I'm modular. I could take my arms and legs off and I roll it under the bed. So then at night, my arm is working its way around the room, finding all of our stuff. And as soon as I find evidence of one of our items being stolen, Show it to the rest of the friends. Got them red-handed, literally. Ah, what are you arguing here? I don't know. A zero? I only had two things. Yeah. No, I like I like that. I like it because you, you did the red hand. Zero it is. I'm also arguing a zero here. I would first use Charm Person, and then I would use the spell Soul Thief, which allows me to steal their soul. I would have a one-way telepathic link to them, gain access to all of their language, knowledge, and memories. And then I would just find out where they took, you know, where, wherever they took my stuff to, I'd find it, I'd take it back, and then I would end the spells. No one would get hurt. I would just take my stuff back, and I'd warn everybody else that they're an awful person. No one would get hurt, and yet you stole their soul. Well, I'm going to get to that. Because moving into, do, do I get a zero? Of course. Okay, well, I'm going to move into Spitting Fire, because one of the options for Soul Thief is to eat their soul uh and you <laughs> you can eat their soul they basically just become a vegetable mind you this is a first level spell 
and you eat their soul, and then they become a vegetable. They're essentially dead, and you are basically in control of their body. So I think that's a really a first good level spell. spell. Yes, first level spell. It's pretty good. And then also I have another option. I have is uh, say my friend and I, this party member and I, are are sharing a a tent, uh, a Liaman's tiny hut, and I would wake up in the middle of the night and alert him. Oh. Bugbear's outside. Stay in here. I'll keep you safe. With Leonardo's imploding shell, I would add a shell around him for plus three to his AC for one round. And then, one round later, it implodes and causes 3d6 damage. On him? I don't know why you would use that. Wait, you put it on him and then you and then you hurt him with it? Yeah, the spell will protect him for a round, add three to his AC, and then the following round it implodes and causes 3d6 damage. That's not an even trade. That's dumb. That's, Why would you use this? That's really dumb. I'm arguing a zero here as well. And I'm so glad you have explosions in yours because if Serving Girl can't get things done properly, <laughs> she goes, what are we doing this for? We are out here on an adventure and you are stealing all of our things. This madness must end. And I rip my own head off. <laughs> so I'm forcibly dismantling myself and it triggers my detonation. Which, after an absurd amount of time, after 1d6 turns, which could be up to 6 turns, it takes me to explode. I deal 5d6 damage to everything within 10 feet. So I'm just blowing us all up. <laughs> yeah, but in the meantime, everybody's like, yeah, she's beeping like a bomb. I think she's going to explode. <laughs> no, she still oh. hasn't. I think we're good. All right, let me roll here. Let me roll my d6 and see how many turns it takes me to explode. Yeah, 5 turns. So you could definitely <laughs> yeah. get away. Yeah, 30 seconds. Uh, so I just rip okay. my head off, and then I fall on the ground for 30 seconds. <laughs> really the, just destroying your own your own future. That is my uh, reaction. So, so to, your aggressive response is to commit suicide. Okay, very good. Well, I could either do it that way or with Apocalypse of the Sky. I could just blow up everything within a one-mile radius. Yes, yeah. You can, you can either commit suicide or end civilization, so that's pretty cool. So what are you arguing here? Uh, this is obviously a plus two. Yeah, I would say this is a plus two. Super, <laughs> super aggressive, kind of passive aggressive. And really dumb. So would you play your serve bot? What? No. You out of your damn mind? Yeah, I mean, basically, the, how I want to wrap this up, let this just serve as a public service announcement for everybody listening. Don't use D&D Wiki. Don't ask your DM to let you use this material. Respect the great men and women that work over at Wizards of the Coast, as well as the other well-respected third-party publishers like Cobalt Press and Cubicle 7 that have been featured on this show. Use their material, buy their stuff, and if you are going to try and develop your own homebrew content, run it past a few people before posting it on the internet, because this, this is so broken. So anyways, with that, Garen, what's coming out of the lab in the coming weeks? We've got our own broken options, if you want. Mentioned them before, but our new mount supplement, Jermaine Jr.'s Horde of Horses and other exotic mounts that are also for sale, is up there on DM's Guild. We're also going to put it on D&D Wiki. That's just one <laughs> block of text. <laughs> Number two, our Patreon with $5 a month. We got our two bonus episodes a month. There's a meaty backlog at this point for you to get into if you become a Patreon today. Yes, as always, exciting stuff coming out of the lab. Uh, that about does it for us this week, Lab Rats. And just remember, it doesn't have to be optimized as we saw today. <laughs> It, it just has to be fun? <laughs> Thank you for listening, guys. This has been a production of the D&D Character Lab Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at DND Character Lab. 
or shoot us an email at dndcharacterlab at gmail.com. Most importantly, make sure you subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app.